Okay, so uh, self-forgiveness, honoring the human experience. The word for um, human in Quran is insan. And the root word for insan is the forgetful one. There's another word in the Quran, uh, which is awab. And the root word for awab, it actually means one who returns again and again. And the root word for awab is of a bee that goes from its hive in search of nectar. And no matter how far it travels, it always comes back to its hive. No matter how far it travels, it must always come back to its hive. And the hive is always there waiting because it's home. And the way the word awab has been used is the one who repents and again and again. And I love how repents in this context um, when awab is spoken of, it's not somebody who is condemned. It's not somebody who is deemed guilty or held accountable. Simply somebody who returns again and again. Because the word for human in Quran is insan, the forgetful one. And so in our being human, we forget the fact um, that being human is one of the most beautiful, not one of, it is a very, very difficult experience. Um, at the time that the human body was created with clay, and the soul, our soul, was asked to enter that human body. The soul refused. <laughs> the soul said, I will not enter this deep dark dungeon. Because the soul is this big giant, our soul, my soul, is a big giant being of light. And it was asked to enter the dungeon of the human body. And it refused. So from the very beginning, we have understood that being human is not easy. And the human experience is the most difficult experience that there will, ever, there will ever be. And yet we forget that. We forget that as we hold ourselves accountable very critically. And it doesn't seem that way. It doesn't. Because when you take a, a stock of the world around you, what you would probably see is a group of uh, angry people, um, people who are full of angst, full of disappointment, full of judgment, raising fingers, raising hands, raising voices, arguing, um, shouting, fighting um, for what they believe in, what they stand for. And it always they believe is at the expense of somebody else. So they have to take from somebody. They have to, uh, somebody else's um taking away their rights, somebody else is by through their actions is passing judgment on their faith or on their belief system so they, that other person must be uh, guilty and, and held accountable. So that's the theme that we believe we see uh, when we look on the outside world. And yet what's hap actually happening on the inside of that person who is looking at another through the eyes of judgment or through the eyes of dis of um blaming the other person is actually somebody who is holding themselves very strongly accountable and feeling themselves to be falling short of who they believe they must be. And it starts this particular 
looking at ourselves through eyes which are less uh, starts right from our childhood. It starts when we are made to feel less. It starts when um, we are, our voices are silenced, our thoughts are muted. It starts when we are asked to um, sit respectfully in one place and not move. It asks, it starts when every time we make an air quote mistake, uh, we are punished and we are told that this is um, something that you should not have done. And because you have done it, this is the consequence of it. It starts when um, the concept of God is introduced as a vengeful one, the one who would take away everything that you've ever loved should you disappoint him, should you let him down. Uh, it starts when we begin to be introduced to God through the religious text in that angry way. And yet the only way that God has chosen to introduce himself to us um, in the very, very beginning, his first introduction of self is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, um, the one who is most merciful and who is continuously merciful. That's how he chooses to introduce, him, introduce himself. But for us, the conditioning of um, being guilty, and I feel like being guilty of being born, being guilty of thinking, being guilty of voicing our thoughts, being guilty of expressing ourselves, being guilty for existing, it starts from the very, very beginning. Because that fear and that guilt and that shame that we've been conditioned with are the strongest controlling tools that the powers that be have to keep it to keep us in our small very congested limited spaces because should we today begin to understand the power that we are the magnificence that we are the awesomeness that we are and how much we are loved we will not be okay with being pushed to these dark, dang, stinky little corners of guilt and shame that we have subjected ourselves to. Should we begin to build a relationship with our God, the one that we know exists inside our hearts, the God who introduces himself as Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the God so full of love that he has nothing but, should we begin to introduce ourselves to our God in that way? And should we begin to feel the unlimited, ceaseless flowing of love that is always directed at us, always directed at us, in our lowest, especially in our lowest, especially in our darkest moments? Should we begin to feel that love? And should we not feel guilty or ashamed of being human and of the trial and error of human experience? Should we actually begin to stand in the power that we are, the power in which we've been created and the love in which we've been fashioned? Should we actually begin to feel that then the structures of the world as we know it will come crumbling down. Then there is nothing that can control our freedom, our expression, our beingness, full of light, full of love. Um, and should we be then begin to operate from a place of love, from a place of the heart, always, always, without the titles, without the designations, without the hierarchies and without the divide, should we choose to do that once we feel that love flowing to us and through us always 
then we then we are uncontrollable and there is nothing more dangerous than a free person than a free human than a free man or a free woman and free not in the way that we've been designed to believe not in jail is not free that's not in jail that's not freedom is <laughs> the freedom that i'm referring to is the freedoms the feelings the frequency that we feel inside when we have fear uh we have doubts we look them we have guilt we have shame uh we have a ton of judgment that we pass on ourselves yes we have all of that but the freedom that i'm referring to is when we begin to stand in our power and begin to look at that shame and judgment um and the lessness and we begin to look at that in the eye and say i'm not afraid of you i acknowledge you i honor you because you're a part of my human experience you are my human experience but i'm not just limited to my human experience and so when i begin to talk about self forgiveness it can never be extended uh from us to us at a human level because we because we are so used to identifying ourselves as human as body and bones and blood and flesh and sight and hearing and touch we're so used to defining ourselves in such a limited way it's it becomes very difficult for this dark dungeon of a human body to extend forgiveness to itself and so who are you asking who is going to forgive you when i say self forgiveness which self are you asking forgiveness from and because we don't know ourselves and because we choose not to remember that we are bigger than our human experience we begin to call an outside self because it's still safe um we begin to call an outside self um for forgiveness and we call that outside self god but if i were to say that there's no outside self the higher self or the self that i'm referring to the soul self the one in which god the source the creator has breathed his life force in so when i refer to that self it's not on the outside it's housed within in the heart and so when i say self forgiveness there is only place that there's only one place that that forgiveness can come from and that can come from um when we begin to look at our human selves from our god selves which is inside us and there is a gentleness there is such a sense of familiarity and comfort when you begin to feel your god self your allah your creator your source your bigger power your higher self when you begin to feel him inside you there is such a sense of familiarity and comfort that no outside god can ever give you because that inside god self your god self knows you it knows the unsaid unspoken sometimes so horrific that you've not really even consciously thought of it thoughts it knows you it knows you in your deepest darkest spaces it knows you it knows you and it knows you in your highest um, flight as well but in your deepest darkest places it knows you and you don't begin you know how you meet a stranger right there's a there's an excitement in meeting a stranger in telling the stranger uh, your story um because there's a sense of beginning there right 
And you can make that story to be anything that you want it to be. It doesn't necessarily have to be true. So it's still safe. It's still easier to believe that there's a God that lies outside ourselves because it's a stranger God. Let me tell that God what I want. Let me tell that God how I did not mean to do that thing. Let me tell that God that my God, I was feeling so afraid and therefore I acted in that bad way. And then let me ask that God for forgiveness. It's safe, right? Feel safe because you can Tell that God anything that you want, it, want him to know and any version of your truth. But if that God is living inside you, then you can't hide and you can't fake it. And you've got to be real. And so there's that part. There's the fact that there's a sense of familiarity uh, when you have a God, when you begin to tap into your God self or the self within you. And then sense of familiarity can both be frightening because there's no outside force anymore. It's all you. But it's also freaking liberating because you don't have to tell that God any story anymore. You don't have to tell that soul self any story. It knows. It knows. And when you begin to build that relationship with your soul self, because there is no self-forgiveness, otherwise it's such an empty concept. Uh, forgiveness is one of the biggest traits, the, mo the hardest traits. But when we say self-forgiveness, it's such an empty concept because what does it mean? How do you actually uh, allow yourself to let go of the, the dirtiest things that you have done? How do you allow yourself to just release them finally and move on from that place um, that you had assigned yourself to to live out a life sentence for the rest of your you know living years how do you get out of that so the soul self um once we begin to understand lives in uh, the soul self lives inside us once we acknowledge that um and once we begin to build a relationship with it we begin to then understand what self-forgiveness can mean. And I'm not right now even looking at the outside world, only talking about self-forgiveness because that is, in fact, the hardest part, not forgiving others. Forget that. That comes way, way, way later. It's forgiving ourselves. That's the hardest part. And we can't do that unless we've not built a relationship with our soul self, our God self, our creator self, our source self. We can't do that unless we don't have that relationship. Because as it's true for any other relationship, unless we don't spend time getting to know our God self, because God knows we don't know our God self, um, when we begin to spend time inside, when we begin to spend time sitting in silence um, and asking our God self to reveal itself, and when our God self begins to reveal itself, we begin to feel a love unlike any other love we've ever experienced before. And we begin to feel an understanding from that God self of us. You know how we are so hungry for people to get us? Why don't you understand? Don't you see who I am? Don't you hear me? We want to be heard. We want to be seen so much by outside people, right? Imagine what it would feel like when without a single word, when you are sitting in silence, you are seen more fully 
than you've ever been seen and you're heard more fully than you've ever been heard and you are my God loved more fully than you've ever been loved because that's how your soul self honors you on the inside once you begin to get to know your soul self. It's an honor that that soul self extends to you. The honor of getting to be known by you because it's like it's almost as if the soul self has been oh uh, your best friend i don't know what other title to give it what other term but your best friend who's been sitting with such patience from the day that you were born in the hope that you would lose your way back home and knock on its door and say hello i've come to meet you that's how our soul self how patiently that soul self has been waiting and it's not been waiting idly for us to come to meet it no it's been loving us and loving us and it's just like this big you know on a really cold winter light imagine this big warm oven of warmth with like cinnamon buns or whatever you like gajar ka halwa ki smell <laughs> constantly wafting out from that oven on a cold winter night constantly and if we think of our life which most of us have lived our lives as such as a one cold winter night with occasional bursts of warmth of course and not to be too dramatic uh, but it's that that you know that oven of love with cinnamon bun smells that beautiful surrounding you at all times it's always been there it's always been emanating that from that place of warmth that's how your soul self your best friend how patiently it's been sitting there waiting for you to come home come home back in and so when you knock at that soul self door and the soul self door opens the door and you sit with it it's very unnerving in the beginning <laughs> because it's like meeting yourself the most beautiful version of yourself the most loving version of yourself the most abundant the most ripe the most full the most brilliant and the most kind version of yourself for the first time for the first time and as you begin to spend time getting to know your soul self you begin to understand yourself you begin to know yourself and so and seriously it's the conversations it's like you're sitting with your best friend without words if you want to use words great but it's like having that conversation with your best friend who you'd never even known existed and now that you've found that best friend there is no way you're letting it go but my god the stories you have to tell and you begin to realize that as you tell as you begin to tell your story of your life to your soul self and the soul self begins to help you understand the why because that's what we fought against our whole lives right why why did it have to happen that way why me why at that time why could i not have that why did that have to fall away from me why did i have to lose it why did i not get there i thought that was the best most perfect thing for me why could i not hold on to it why was it taken away why why me and the soul self will tell you why there is no other um the soul self will tell you and as you begin to go from one incident to the other starting right from your childhood and you for example like i did so these are the conversations i have with my allah 
so inside and so you know why why did i have to go through such a difficult childhood why did i have to go through such hurtful painful years since why have i made such hurtful painful choices and in, in that moment and in that moment i become very specific tell me help me understand why and because that soul self knows you like nobody ever will and nobody ever has it begins to tell you why it's like it says to me it's like madiha remember how when you the first time you made that very painful choice remember the years that you had spent before it and remember this had happened and this had happened and this had happened and you were getting so much anger and you were getting so much bitterness and you were getting so much pain and all you wanted the first time you made a truly hurtful choice for yourself all you wanted for was for somebody for somebody to tell you that no matter what you're doing no matter how ugly your behavior no matter how badly you are acting right now i love you anyway you wanted somebody to say that didn't you and i was like how did you know that i didn't even realize that and said i know you that's all you wanted and then i go to another incident another incident and what i begin to realize and what we begin to realize and we begin to talk to and speak to our soul self is that all the awful things we believe that we have done all stemmed from this burning need to be loved anyway that's it that's all we've ever wanted to be loved anyway isn't that true though we would act in the most uncharacteristic way sometimes and sometimes we would own the tags that we are given for the longest time i owned the tag and i proved it to be as such as well that i am an aggressive uh, rude uh, human being and i mollycoddled it to myself by saying no no that actually means i'm very forthright and i'm very straightforward and i speak my mind and no matter what but no aggressive aggressive rude behavior and when i speak to my soul self and began to understand that these tags were given to me very 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 early on uh by the people that i loved um the tags which said you know you don't have what it takes to be a true girl true woman you don't have girl like qualities you're too much of a you know a, a complete vagabond like and and you don't know how to behave you don't know how to act you don't know how to speak you're too loud and so i said okay and and i didn't do it consciously that's what i understood later i owned those tags i would steal i would i i was a kleptomaniac i would steal from my parents i would steal from my school from my friends at a very early age and that continued way into my um in my te- into my teenage years and my young adult life a little bit as well lying because i was called a liar uh and i was reminded of the fact that i was a liar um very often very consistently and so i owned it and i've spent a lifetime being a liar being a cheater being a thief uh being an aggressive human being being rude being very sharp of tongue being um having that you know that that that's who i've been um because those are the tags that i decided to own for myself and um 
I've spent a lifetime proving that, yes, I am all of these people. And yet when I spoke to my soul self, when I do speak to my soul self, and the soul self tells me, Madhya, all you've ever wanted. And as many times, say I've, uh, you know, maybe I've lied a hundred times, I'm just saying. A hundred times, I'm sure it's way more, but like a thousand times. At any point, at even 900 and whatever, 99th time, I've wanted somebody to say, at the time that I was caught in my lie, I've wanted somebody to say, hey, that's not you. That's not who you are. Tell me what's really going on. Nobody asked me that question. Nobody asks that question. So you see the behavior, the human behavior. You see an angry person. You see an addict. Um, you see a cheater. You see a, a serial liar. Um, and nobody asks, hey, uh, you know, what's going on? Why are you in so much pain that you're acting this way? Or what do you really need? What need do you have that's not being met? Who is not meeting your need? Tell me, talk to me. Nobody asks that question. They focus on the behavior, but they don't ask the question. And because there's a gap between that behavior, the only time that there's a um, destructive behavior of any sort that we relate to being human, the only time that emerges is when we have an innate need that's not being met. And when you boil down like, a, I don't know, a million needs that you may have, the end of all of those needs is one. We want to be loved in spite of. We want to be loved anyway. We want to be loved in our lowest. We want to be loved in our darkest. And who's going to do that for you if we can't do it for ourselves? Because we haven't been able to do it for ourselves. The only thing that I've done for myself is uh, hold myself even more accountable. And when I've fallen into my dark place, I have played a very active role in pushing myself down further. <laughs> it's like, yes, you lying person. Now this is what you, now you cheat on top of it. Now you, well, you know, steal on top of it. Now you do something else on top of it. Now blah, blah, blah. So I, I've kept heaping guilt and shame on that Madiha, the human Madiha. One on top of the other in my darkest times and not for a single time have I extended that love to myself. And so what do we speak of when we say extend kindness, forgive others, extend grace? How do we know what that feels like unless we extend it to ourselves? But we are so afraid of extending it to ourselves. I say afraid, I do. We are so afraid of extending love, unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness to ourselves because we are so attached to our stories of tragedies. We are so attached. What would we do without them? What story? What, would, what if we have nothing more to say? What if we have nothing more to give? And then what happens to the entire personality that I've built around my tragedy and around my traumas? Who do I become if I'm not that? My God, I'll have to start all over again. And if I don't have anything to um, hold myself guilty about or shameful about, then who will I be? We are so afraid of finally forgiving ourselves that we'd rather bury yourself deeper in that pitfall of guilt and shame then stop pause for one second say time out to myself to ourselves say time out what's going on here what really really deep dark dank 
pit have you dug for yourself and what's going on put down your spade for one second stop digging put down your spade you're really far away from the light up there what's going on talk to me this is the kind of self intervention i'm talking about and this self intervention does not obviously come um like a striking uh, i don't know like thunder strike uh, stricken sky it doesn't come from there it does come from tower moments in our life but at some point um and and life is beautiful life is beautiful because it will keep presenting you with tower moments until you put down that spade that you are digging yourself into a hole with you put it down and that's why some people would have uh, and you'd see that around you like they have like a series of my life has been a series of one one tragedy one mishap one disaster one more happening like i remember my mother used to say don't call me and it's like why it's like every time she said every time the phone rings i get scared because it's you calling and what's happened now like really that was the series of um exciting events my life was about because life is not going to stop and by i by life i mean my soul self sitting in that room my best friend completely in love with me loving me anyway unconditionally it's not going to stop presenting me with more opportunities more opportunities more opportunities to put down that spade that i'm digging myself into a really deep hole with it's not going to stop because it freaking adores me it's not going to stop until i listen and i did listen thank god um but it's not going to stop until that happens and we think of this as a uh, kismat um, you know fate something it's just happening to me my uh, it's uh, the family curse or um some uh, some other you know somebody's the evil i know none of that it's your love for yourself your soul's love for yourself that keeps presenting you with a multiple opportunities not tragedies multiple opportunities to pull down that spade why are you not listening because we are so deeply conditioned to keep focusing keep our focus on all the bad things we have done that we don't even and it's an urdu like i'm for 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 people who don't understand like it hamari nazar hi nahi jaati hai pyar ki taraf it's like we can't take our eyes away from the guilt and the shame to be able to look the other way towards love we have been trained so strongly to keep our eyes focused on guilt and shame and that training comes in the form of the version of religion we've been taught uh, comes in the form of you know family traumas family conditioning childhood conditioning schools households uh, society everything everything our belief systems is they all geared towards keeping your gaze focused here in the pit that you belong because you are just dirty creatures full of shame and guilt and that's it that's who you are and yes we cloak ourselves of course with beautification so we buy really nice clothes we have beautiful perfumes so we don't stink of guilt we don our you know our designer clothes so we don't feel the raggedness of our shame we do all of that that's the conditioning we keep our eyes glued to senseless news senseless information um, information of more tragedy more shame oh my god the bad things happening in the world 
um, because it just keeps us in that loop of guilt and shame and our eyes right here, not there where love is, but right here where shame and guilt is. Because should this spell be broken, should this spell be broken, um, the cost of freedom is too high for the society to pay. And freedom not in terms of action, but freedom in terms of the frequency. It's too high. What if we actually were to begin to feel the love that we are? And I remember just a couple of weeks ago, we were having this conversation and this colleague of mine, he asked, he said, how do you even begin to, and he was narrating his own life incident, instant, and he was saying that, um, you know, I come from a house where what I do um, the profession that I've adopted is, uh, is is scorned upon. It's not allowed. It's called, uh, you know, it's, it's not accepted because it's a conservative household. And so how do I, um, how do I deal with that guilt and shame? And what I said to him was that we spend so much of our energy in dealing with the guilt and shame, in not doing the bad things, that... If we could continue to do those bad things, just do those bad things. Stop spending so much energy on not doing those bad things. Do those bad things and then look towards love. Do those bad things, look towards love. Do those bad things and look towards love. Don't The energy that we spend in stopping ourselves or not being sinful, if we can spend, spend that energy on being sinful, seriously, do it. But allow yourself to also look at love at the same time, during or after it, okay? So that's the formula. Do that sinful thing, look at love. Do that sinful thing, look at love. Do that sinful thing, look at love. And you know what will happen over time? Because the force of love is so beautiful, you will not be interested in doing whatever you're calling that sinful. You'll just not be interested in bringing your eye to that place of guilt and shame and sinful things. You will just not be interested. It'll just, it just won't, it won't just stop existing. And you're, because the, the place where love is, is so riveting and it's so gripping that everything else is just a pale, 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 pale reflection in comparison. And so be sinful, do those things. The only thing that you allow yourself to do is and give yourself permission to. And I say allow because we're not allowed, right, to feel love. We don't allow ourselves to feel love. Allow yourself, give yourself and say it out loud. Words have beautiful, magical powers. Say it to yourself. I give myself, I will do this bad thing that I feel is bad and everybody else is telling me bad. Say it's lying. Okay, I will, I will lie and then I will give myself permission for one minute to feel absolute beautiful love as if the nothing exists in my world right now, but this beautiful beacon of love that's just beaming down on me. So do that thing and then feel the love. Do that thing and see what happens. There's this beautiful narration in our uh, religious uh, narrative <laughs> of this man, um, this drunkard um, addicted to alcohol who would get drunk out of his mind every night um, at the at the bar in those times, so at the bar. And then he would plonk off to sleep and get up in the morning and go in that state of uh, nasha, of, of being intoxicated to the mosque. And he would pray in that state of intoxication. 
uh, at the mosque and he would cry my god he would cry so bitterly while praying say my god you know i'm the sinful person why can i not stop why can i not stop drinking that for him it was his vice right so why can i not drink but he would do it every night every night he would get drunk every night in the morning he would go to the mosque and he would say his you know say his namaz and would just cry bitterly and was so convinced that he was a most sinful human being and that he would never be forgiven by the outside external god and then one night um you know and he was just as time passed by he just fell deeper and deeper in despair because the hole that he was digging for himself of guilt and shame just started kept getting deeper and deeper because he the the feeling of guilt and shame was so strong so and so one night um drunk out of his mind he lies down on his bed and uh, he says you know what i give up it's just no use because i'm not giving up drinking and there is there is no way that i want to take this sinful place and the sinful face and the sinful body to the mosque anymore i don't want to do it and so he goes to sleep crying and uh he's woken up uh after fajr in the morning by an angel it says in the religious narrative and by an angel who comes and says dude uh you know why are you not at the mosque and he goes like uh you know i've been i've been in a constant state of intoxication and it's been years of my life and i'm just so guilty i'm so shamed of showing up in this in this state you know at the house of my god and he's never going to forgive me he's like dude uh the angel says dude your god is like waiting for you at the mosque it's like dude where's my favorite namazi he's not here because i love the fact that he keeps coming back to me awab he keeps coming back to me again and again and again and again. i love that fact i love the fact that he keeps coming back again and again so he's waiting for you get your stuff up and uh, go to the mosque <laughs> your god's waiting for you that's it your yourself your god the one here your best friend patiently sitting there waiting for you and so the entire discipline of purifying your life makes no sense to me because how that discipline tell what that discipline tells us is stop doing the bad things so that you can feel god's love that's not going to happen in the human experience it's you it's not a linear journey um the the bad things the shadows our vices are what makes us human that's the human part of us and god's love is because of it not in spite of it because of it because we chose to come into these bodies these magnificent souls we chose to come here for that we are loved for that we are honored for that we are revered that's who that's 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 god's love for us so not in spite of but because of this human experience and so this discipline of purification doesn't make sense how i would break it down would be if there's any purification to be done um it is the fact that allow yourself give yourself permission because you have free will so as a human being give yourself permission to do that bad thing or bad things but also give yourself permission to feel the love of the creator within you and it's only when you begin to feel the warmth of that love then your interest in those bad things and those things which have been hurting you and hurting people that you love 
your interest, literally your interest in those things will just begin to wither away. It's like, it, it's just not, it's not exciting anymore. It doesn't have the same thrill anymore. The thrill that I'm getting here doesn't have that thrill anymore. But to get there, we have to A, look at ourselves as not limited to being humans only, but a soul having a human experience. B, we need to understand that that soul is in fact not an outside entity, but our God, our creator, our source inside us, who knows us more intimately than any other outside God ever would. And that that source inside us, that our soul self is so madly, crazily adorbs in love with us, that there is nothing, there is nothing that you can do to change its mind <laughs> about you. That's what we try to do huh? as human beings also. We test other people. When we are feeling really, really, really bad about ourselves, we begin to test the people around us. Say, let's see how long, how much they love me. Let's see if they love me, if they do this. Are they still under me? There's a barometer. Are they still loving me? I've done this. Now I'm going to do this and see. Now I'm going to do this and see. And most people fall short because what you're expecting from them is not something that even you can give to yourself. You can't even love yourself through your bad times. How are you expecting another human being to love you? How are we testing other people, um, people's love for us? Just because we've not been able to extend it to ourselves does not mean that we trust other people's because it is hard. It is hard being human. It is hard being in our bodies. It is hard being limited and it is hard having free will. I know I keep talking of free will as a gift and it indeed is, but it is hard making the choice to love yourself. It is hard. It's a lifetime of conditioning. It's a lifetime of experience. It's a lifetime of guilt. It's a lifetime of shame that I'm myself still processing. I remember, so, and you know, the biggest source of guilt and shame that we have now identified, and we always had it, is uh, as a parent. My God. The guilt and the shame the parent has of not doing right by their child. And there's nobody who doesn't remind them of it. <laughs> Whether it's Instagram posts or like your friends or your relatives or your mothers or your, um, your, your, your um, just the people around you. Your children as they begin to grow up. You did not do right by us, mama. This is what you did. Da, 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 da. I've done that to my parents also. So there's nobody... The, Everybody tells a parent how awful of a job, how they've completely fobbed it up. <laughs> so the one of the biggest, strongest source of guilt um, as a human in having the human experiences through the experience of being a parent. And we are judging ourselves most harshly and most critically through it all. We don't even need another human being. So far in that, in that affair, uh, as a parent, when I, and I'm still trying to forgive myself for it, because uh, it's uh, my choices when I was acting from a place of lessness and of pain and of guilt and of shame. What I, how that I brought that to my parental role was extending that through my behavior to my kids. That means that because I was not seen and heard, um, I refused to see or hear my firstborn son. I did not want to have that child. So... When he was born, for the longest time, I ran away from him and emotionally ran away from him. And a child feels that. 
um instinctively emotionally i stepped away because um i there was so much i was bringing to my role as a parent in that space and so and now he's 18 and now i have these conversations with him in the past couple of years and i keep telling him i said asad i say asad um uh, you know the inner child um who did not get the love that it needed because my inner child did not get the love that she needed and i transfer that trauma onto you you've got to parent that child now as an 18 year old because i can't do that for you i could have done that when you were a child but i didn't know better so i'm still learning to forgive myself as a parent um specifically that role many other roles also uh in not being able to do right uh, by myself yes but by the people for the people that i loved so it's not easy making that choice of learning to love yourself it is one of the difficult most difficult choices we'll ever make but it's necessary because why it makes logical sense to me is that how and it's just so simple and so clear when i don't know what unconditional love feels like inside how can i expect any form of love in a true beautiful form from an outside human being when i don't when because i am the generator of my own experiences because i am the projector of everything that i observe around you unless i am not feeling loved here how will i ever feel the feeling of love it'll never be enough until i'm not feeling it here whether it's from my parents from my children from my friends from my partner i would it would never be true it would not be true love it always be broken love it always be half love it'll always be empty love because i've not felt it here so i've got to teach myself what it feels like and i feel like that's what i actually want to say we've got to teach ourselves what it feels like to feel loved by our soul self inside we've got to teach ourselves how that feels and then we've got to get into the practice and the habit of receiving that love continuously so this is what i do i check right so when i do my human thing that i still do and i go back inside and i i i ask my soul self like, wow are you still loving me right now see what you did it's like i love you exactly the same i love you exactly 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 the same and when i'm doing something awesome something i'm super proud of at an emotional level at a growth level inside it's like oh my god did you see what it's like i love you i love you exactly the same the quality and the if i can call it quantity of love the force of love and the purity of love from the soul for me does not change no matter what i'm doing it's a constant a rahman a rahim constant constant there's no fluctuation there's no load shedding of love here constant no matter what and so the love that if we find we spend a lifetime looking for here and when we begin to feel the warmth of that love and the gentleness of that love and it is the gentleness of that love because it's a love that a love that softens you <laughs> a love that softens you back into light i don't know how else to put it 
because we've built such hard shells through this human experience, through the choices that we've made, that my soul self has had to sit with me for a long, long time to soften me back to light. And I'm still at it because God knows there are a lot of shells, but at least I know, I know what it feels like. And the more I know what it feels like on the inside, the more I understand what it doesn't feel like on the outside. So whatever we're calling love, in whichever relationship, it's easier for me and for us then, once we begin to feel that inside, it's easier for us to recognize that it's not love. It might be control. It, it might be control. It might be a need to be looked at. It might be a desire. It might be um, a need for validation. It might uh, be an attachment. It might be, uh, you know, somebody drowning and holding on to you for dear life. It might be all of those, but it's not love. And parallelly, in parallel, you also can feel the real love when it comes because, ah, that room, ah, yeah, that, that feels familiar. That feels familiar because I felt it here. So how will we then be able to distinguish love if we don't feel of love from pain? Because um, the distorted form of love um, is the shell that we wear to hide the pain and to hide the guilt and to hide the shame as, as humans. So we need to be able to tell, right? Of what form of love it is that we're receiving. How would we be able to do that unless we haven't felt it here? So that's on the love part. And then with it is how would we be able to understand, how would we be able to ever forgive other people for being human? And I don't even want to say any other thing. Not for, and you know, we have, uh, okay, what should I forgive them for? Okay, forgive them for cheating, forgive them for lying, forgive them for not taking care of you, forgive them, forgive them for gaslighting you, forgive them for being narcissistic, uh, being abusive, being controlling, uh, being physically abusive, being sexually, forgive them for what, what, like there's a list. And all I'm saying is forgive them for being human. And there is no way we can extend that forgiveness to the people that we love as much as we want to. There's no way, there is just no way we can attach or we can extend true forgiveness to the people that we love unless we do not extend that true forgiveness here. We've got to feel forgiven to be able to forgive another. Whatever pretend apologies and pretend forgiveness we've extended uh, to other people in our lifetime is exactly that, a farce, hollow. Because you remember, you still hold them four years down the lane in your partnership, in your as a parent, you remind them of that thing that they've done that you had forgiven them for. That's not forgiveness. That's the pretend forgiveness, which is fine. I Because... That pretend forgiveness is all we've known because we've only pretend forgiven us, so we can only pretend forgive others. <laughs> so there's, that's all we can give, right? We can only give what we feel. There's no other thing we can. We can't buy it from the shop. We can only give what we have. If we don't, we've not felt it, then how can we give it? Simple formula. And the feeling of forgiveness for yourself 
can only come once we've built that relationship with our creator, with our soul, with our Allah inside us, our best friend, and feel, get into the practice of feeling that love every time you do a bad thing, especially feeling that love anyway on a daily basis. So what I do is, but especially uh, when we have done something bad, go running back inside. Um, and it's a very visual, actual, like a somatic thing for me because that's how I visualize it. I go running back to my creator. It's like, this is what I've done. Ah, and you hate me. It's like, ah, I love you. I was like, what? <laughs> so it takes me by surprise every time because I'm not in the habit of receiving unconditional love. And so to get myself more familiar, I'm teaching that to myself at 43 years of age, teaching myself what it feels like to be loved. Don't know. I didn't know. So what I do every morning is, and I was sharing that with a friend, what I do every morning is I'm in bed and I do not get out of bed until I feel loved <laughs> by my creator. It's true, true story. So what I do is I um, imagine my thoughts because you wake up in the morning and there's an entire like entourage of them. So I imagine my thoughts like bunch up as a ball. And I imagine that light ball uh, drop down physically into my heart space and my heart space opens uh, as a lotus flower emanating like a burst of light. And that's where I meet my soul self. And that's Allah for me. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> so it's like, okay, so I'm up and it's like, I see that. <laughs> So I said, okay, Allah, now you're going to hug me, you're going to kiss me, you're going to tell me how much you love me. And I don't know. And until I don't, like, I say, like, now hug me, tell me how much, tell me you love me a thousand million times. So until I don't feel that, that beautiful, gentle, awesome, safe, stunning love from my creator, until I don't feel that. And over time, it's become simpler to feel it, easier to feel it, alhamdulillah. Till I don't feel that, I don't put my feet on the ground. I don't do it. Because I'm not going to start the day as a human, which is very, very difficult as it is, without feeling that sun source of love from my creator. I'm not going to do it. Because I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. I cannot show up in the world as a painful, hurting, raw flesh of a human being anymore. I cannot do it. I cannot make choices from a place of pain anymore. I cannot hurt other people anymore. I cannot hurt myself anymore. I can't do it anymore. What I can do is, and then I say to myself after I felt that waterfall of love, a fountain, a waterfall fountain, meaning I feel like this gush of love and I see it, feel it envelop me. After I've done that, then I say to myself, this is the intention that I said, I allow myself, and now I'm going to allow myself, I allow myself to experience this day and experience all my human interactions and all my experiences through the eyes and the heart of a seven-year-old full of love, magic, and wonder. And e, I'm so excited. So that's how I've allowed my soul self. And with it, I allow myself to be human. And to honor my human self. So that means there are a million times in the day when I will fall short, that I will not act from a place of the soul because human, because human. And so I have, since I have, now that I've given myself permission to be human, that means when I'm in my human self as my human behavior, 
I have the grace to extend that leeway, leeway to my human self and say, okay, ah, this is you being human. Now, and, and it's easier than for me to look at that behavior as the human behavior as opposed to my behavior, which is now going to tag me. And now I have to live with this behavior for the rest of the day because I have done this in this interaction. Now the whole day must be ruined. No, you have been human in one interaction in this moment. Please deal with it. Contact your soul self. See how much you're loved. Forgive yourself. Move on. As that seven-year-old leaping, jumping, skipping to the next moment. It's an ideal, it's an ideal strategy. It works sometimes, not mostly. <laughs> but I'm working. It's uh, it's getting better. It's getting more interesting. It's getting easier. And that is what I had asked uh, my best friend also. I'd said, you know what? Make this easy for me now. Because I don't want to learn uh, my human experience of being human through tragedy and difficulty anymore. I understand what I was meant to do. I understand that I was meant to lose my way back home now that I'm here, now that I'm building a relationship with you. Now that I'm feeling your love, I'm getting the practice of feeling your love. I'm learning to forgive myself. I'm learning to understand because we can only truly forgive ourselves once we understand why we made those choices, the ones that we made in those moments. And the understanding can only come when we see the motivation behind the actions and we don't keep our focus on the action. And invariably, whether you're looking at our own motivations or the, those of the others, you'll see that the driving force behind our most destructive actions are uh, is pain. Is pain. There's no other driving force behind our most destructive behaviors and more destructive actions. And yes, we hurt other people, but by God, we're hurting ourselves so much in the process. And so most of the mentors who are guiding people um, through addictions, because that's a very physical form of destructive behavior, like there are other emotional and mental forms, but that's more seen, right? So it's very much in the spotlight. And they say, I don't ask a man why, uh, you know, I, I don't ask a man why he drinks. I want, I ask a man as to what uh, is missing in his life that he's trying to fill through his drinking. What does he want? Which need does he have that's not being met? So the motivation behind our own actions begin to reveal, itself, reveal themselves once we begin to understand ourselves. And we can only understand ourselves when we begin to look at our human self through our soul selves. And we can only do that once we go back inside and begin to knock on that door. Knock on that door where your best friend is sitting there waiting since the beginning of time for you, for you to come home. And when you meet your best friend, um, the first moment that your friend opens the door inside, you're allowed, you're created this from the first moment does not ask you any questions, does not ask you where you've been, why, you, why have you come so late? No question. The only thing that your creator does is open his eyes like, come here, baby, come here. I've been waiting for you. I love you so much. Imagine. That's the first greeting, the last greeting, and the only greeting you'd ever get every time, every time you go back to your creator inside, no matter where you have been, avab, no matter how far you have gone, come back inside as often. 
with a gentle reminder to ourselves that we are insan, the forgetful ones.